Hey, welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm your host, Chloe Lula. Today, I'm joined by Martin Shaka, the Danish DJ and co-founder of the collective Fast Forward, who has been making waves in the underground, leading the charge on developing the fast, side-trance-inspired techno sound that's dominated clubs over the last couple of years. He's also known for making provocative, catchy club tunes like Kislati People, his breakout single from 2019, and Apocalyptic Decadence, an LP that came out on Instruments of Discipline last year. It also made our best of the year list. He puts out an astonishing amount of music, most recently on Anita's label Mama Tolgia and SPFDJ's Intrepid Skin. But he also just inaugurated his own label, Sacred Interface, with a four-track compilation from all Copenhagen artists. Interestingly, Shaka is an artist of many trades. He runs a noise and industrial label called Moral Defeat, and he got his start in punk music and black metal. In our interview, he came to the Berlin office, and we talked in person about how taking breaks from techno has been necessary for him to replenish his creative juices and step away from the rules that govern so much of dance music production. Ideologically, he also finds experimental music to be more fertile ground for raising questions around challenging subject matter. A lot of his inspiration for putting dark aesthetics next to absurdities, like mixing Eurotrance into dark techno, comes from the noise scene. At one point, he stopped making dance music entirely for a couple of years. Getting into noise music and industrial really helped me overcome like some of the things that has been holding me back before. I feel like I was very caught up on like certain rules of production, like everything needed to be right. Like the way I got into techno was like you have to play vinyl and you have to like produce everything in this like correct way basically and there was like so many rules that it was, I feel like it was kind of like holding me back because I was scared that I w- wasn't doing everything right so like getting into this more freeform kind of music like like noise music where there's like literally no rules really helped me like change my perspective on music production and like figuring out that you don't have to do everything by the book. Shaka and I also chatted about the heavy currents of eroticism and sensuality that run through his work and his collaboration with the queer porn production company and party, Bedside Productions. I really enjoyed meeting Martin and listening to his finely attuned observations about the creative process and the state of our scene, so I really hope you enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. Shaka. Yes. It's great having you here. Thank you. Uh, So you're in Berlin just for the weekend? Yeah, just for a couple of days. Okay, cool. So can you tell me what you've been doing in Berlin? Well, I got in Saturday and then recorded like a Hör live stream. Your first time on Hör? Yeah. They've been trying to get me for a while. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, we made it happen finally. It was really fun. Yeah. And then I played uh, in a club later at Eden for his uh, BCCO party. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, I checked out your Hör set. But, uh, it was cool. Yeah. It's very... Like light and rhythmic, definitely a little trancey, but like not so yeah. poppy. Yeah, a bit more on the serious side. Yeah, this one. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, a commenter on YouTube said that you played a lot of songs with Hungarian lyrics. Uh, True. Yeah. What, what were the songs that you played? Uh, I played like two tracks from this producer called Exiv, okay. who's Hungarian, I think, I believe, uh, and he's just like using like Hungarian lyrics and. Um, yeah, it's like uh, an artist I discovered recently that I'm really into right now. 
You've always been extremely prolific, it seems, but the last few months have been quite momentous for you. Definitely, yeah. So you released an EP on Anatha's label, Mama Told Ya, mm-hmm. and you also launched your own imprint, Sacred Interface, in May. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the the label, especially because I, it seems that you were talking about that in some interviews for a while, um, like in the lead up to the actual launch. Yeah, so actually... Actually, the the label was supposed to start like in 2020, so I was like preparing everything, like the release, all the tracks were made like 2019. So, but when the pandemic hit, I just felt like it wasn't the right time, and I just decided to like put it all on the shelf until I felt like it made sense. And yeah, it was only like this year that I felt like it was like a proper time for the release to come out and actually like make sense uh, in like the the environment we have now like it, it i feel like it would fall really flat to have it come out during a pandemic yeah. like it kind of loses its purpose so yeah but i feel like the tracks i was i guess i was worried that they were kind of gonna lose relevance but i actually feel like they fit maybe even better for like the sound that i like now and the sound that like it's like being played all over. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy with having waiting waited so long, you know. Yeah. What was your thinking in wanting to start your own label and how you've decided to curate it? Because the first release was a VA. Yeah. So I think it was, it was had a lot to do with just wanting to like have like sort of like a broader artistic. Um, expression both through like music I love but also like my own productions that I feel can be like sometimes a little bit hard to sell to other labels and I wanted to have like full creative freedom of the visual aspect which to me is a very important aspect of of my music and it has been like a little bit uh, of a struggle sometimes early on working with different labels who want to stick to their own aesthetic and like finding some sort of middle ground that I feel expresses my like world probably has been like kind of hard sometimes. So that was definitely like one of the main motivations for, for starting it. So you're also a tattoo artist, right? Correct. Okay. So you think a lot about design. Yeah, definitely. And like before music became my main thing, uh, visual arts was actually like what I was pursuing in life, like going to art school and stuff. But it was during that time that I, got more into music and kind of felt like that was more of a field where I could like honestly express myself and obviously the feedback of performing for people gave me a lot more than showing like images Mm -hmm. would do so but yeah it's always been like very connected the visual aspect and uh, the sound aspect for me. Do you design the like the artwork for your own releases or do you intend to? Um, I've been designing a lot of them in collaboration with uh, my ex-partner who's a graphic designer and visual artist and uh, they understand my visual aesthetic very well and like have a very similar style so it's been kind of a collaborative process with me like maybe I've taken some pictures and then we edit them together and like shape them into something else something more abstract Um, but Recently, I've been experimenting a lot with um, 
AI generated art, which is definitely something I'm going to be using. Like I already made uh, some covers for some of the upcoming releases using that. So it's going to be like AI generated images that's going to be edited further and like, yeah, have some some stuff added with the help from friends for sure. Yeah. Okay. So if I'm not mistaken, all of the artists on the VA are from Copenhagen. Yeah, right? that's correct. Okay. So is your intention with the label to really showcase artists from the local scene or was that just where you wanted to start? I mean, it's definitely uh, going to be like the main uh, main thing for, for the first couple of releases. That's what I'm going to focus on. But already for the next one, I have a couple of artists here from Berlin as well. But definitely a focus on working with people that I'm already connected with. Like, I'm not going to be accepting demos from strangers or anything like that. I feel like I have met a lot of people over the time who I share a similar sound with and people I feel deserve more recognition. So it's a lot about pushing like, um, like more like unknown talent who I feel like has like some potential within this like sound that I enjoy myself. And I also intend on putting out a lot of my own tracks, especially like some of the more experimental stuff. Um, so it's not just going to be techno? No, I, I guess the first couple of releases will be mainly techno, but then I'm planning on branching out into more electronic stuff, and like a lot of experimental stuff, I mean. So it's going to be, I want it to be like very broad and be open to go through like some changes and some phases with like different sounds and inspirations so i'm trying to not get too locked into like one sound or one aesthetic i feel like that can sometimes be like the depth of creativity in in these circumstances totally well i wanted to keep talking about copenhagen because it has become a bastion for this very specific kind of trancy techno and i know you're really responsible also for making that globally popular right now but it's also a really special place for collaboration and community building which seems really rare and special yeah. in the techno ecosystem and I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about what it's like being part of the, the techno scene in Copenhagen and your impressions of it I mean it's not necessarily a clubbing capital but it clearly is uh, very supportive of electronic musicians yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel I feel like one of the strengths that Copenhagen has is in part being so small, it's like one million people. So even though this scene has grown a lot, it's at least where, when I started out, it was really easy to have like um, an overview of like who's doing what and like being connected to everyone. Like when... Yeah, it was like this wave of like Copenhagen sound all started with like a bunch of people who all knew each other and were like going out together and sharing music and DJing together. And I think that's that played a big role in like this sort of like uniform sound because everyone was sharing tracks with each other and like getting inspired by each other. So this sort of sound developed quite naturally and then I guess it just like kind of caught on and like has kind of like inspired people all over ever since. You moved there when you were a teenager, right? Uh, I mean, not exactly a teenager. I was like in, I was, I guess I was like 20, 21 maybe. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Where, where did you move from? From like a smaller city in Denmark. Okay. Yeah. Where I grew up, like 
I yeah, kind of like depressing place to be honest. I got out of there after high school, so yeah, straight to Copenhagen, which I, in my opinion, is like the only place where you can really pursue like some sort of creative ambition, like in in the underground. Mm. Like a lot of the country doesn't really have a lot to offer in that regard. You were a founding member of the collective and booking agency Flash Forward. Fast Forward. <laughs> yeah. um, which started in 2015. Yeah. Okay. I know that it focuses on DIY rave culture and online. It says that all events are built from the ground up, focusing on the local scene and on collaborating with like-minded crews and concepts from abroad. So first of all, I mean, what does DIY mean to you? Because it seems to be really at the heart of a lot of what you do, especially with your other musical projects yeah. outside of techno. I think it has just been like a very natural part of of like music for me even like from when i was a teenager i started going out to um like punk and hardcore shows and this whole like diy aesthetic was like the main thing there you know like people were doing their own releases and cds and cassettes and printing their own merch and like setting up shows themselves and this whole like mentality of like if you don't do it yourself no one else is gonna do it for you. i think it's been like very good and very big motivator and inspiration and i guess around the birth of uh, fast forward it wasn't really a thing in techno to have this diy mentality so it also like brought like a lot of new people in to like show that you can like actually start stuff yourself and you don't need to rely on big bookers or, or established clubs to make something happen so i think it has been a huge drive for, for people in general and so fast forward really has become a home for like-minded artists right so it's yeah it seems like most of the artists on the roster are helping to push this like kind of trance infused techno sound mm -hmm. how do you trace the origins of this trend because it seems like I, I was reading an article that kit mcdonald wrote for ra a few years ago yeah. and he said that a lot of it came from it was like a reaction to this berghain sound from berlin that was yep. really being exported to copenhagen and yeah this was coming from a desire to make something that was more like homegrown not so homogenous yeah i feel like around that time like from 2010 to 2015 this uh, like minimal big room backhand sound was really dominating the scene in a lot of ways and uh, it was like the type of sound that got booked to play at the clubs in copenhagen as well and i think a lot of us were like kind of fed up with that sound like, trust me, I, I still have, like, some love for that sound. But uh, around that time, uh, it, a lot of us started getting into, like, 90s techno, I guess. Like, just, like, faster, like, more rough. Back then, 140 BPM was, like, fast, you know. It's it's not like that anymore. <laughs> but, but so we started, like, all DJing, that sort of stuff. And I think everyone had, like, some love for, like, Euro trance music as well because a lot of us grew up in that stuff, you know. And, like, the DJ sets that were being played was a lot of, like, 90s, like, fast, like, um, hard groove type techno mixed with a couple of, uh, like, 90s trance tracks as well. So I guess it started from the DJ sets and then people started producing music that would fit into that kind of sound and it just became like a mashup of like this fast um, pulsating techno with some trancey elements and like the melody side of it. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
I found it really interesting that a lot of the people in Fast Forward, like Sugar, I think, and yourself, come from more of like a DIY non-electronic music background. Yeah. So your roots are like in punk and metal and harsh noise. Yeah. Right? yeah. Or like, I guess my roots are mainly in metal, I would say. The whole harsh noise and industrial phase actually came after I had been making techno for a while. Okay. But I needed to like distance myself from that a little bit because I was like, I felt like I was getting a little bit stuck in the same, like, I guess I was just finding it hard to like really find my own sound and like be satisfied with any of my productions. It kind of felt like I was just like copying other artists that I was into and just making like a slightly worse version of their sounds. <laughs> but I think that's also a natural part of starting yeah. to produce like every artist. Yeah, no, definitely. First. Yeah, it's it's a good way to start like trying to copy sounds. Yeah. And um, but I felt like I needed to like distance myself from the whole techno scene and the whole sound in order to like find my own like musical niche and getting into noise music and industrial really helped me overcome like some of the things that has been holding me back before. I feel like I was very caught up on like certain rules of production, like everything needed to be right. Like the way I got into techno was like, you have to play vinyl and you have to like produce everything uh, in this like correct way, basically. And there was like so many rules that it was, I feel like it was kind of like holding me back because I was scared that I, wasn't doing everything right so like getting into this more freeform kind of music like like noise music where there's like literally no rules really helped me like change my perspective on music production and like figuring out that you don't have to do everything by the book mm. yeah that's really interesting because i i feel exactly the same way and it seems like kind of an old school purist mentality that is slowly dying yeah, yeah. it used to I think I think that was also a part of this whole like um, era of like big room minimalist music. Macho, it was like, yeah, it was very like rigid and somehow and like both the um, both the sound, but also like it was. I feel like it was kind of like being gatekept, and definitely in in Copenhagen, it was like really hard for like younger newer DJs to like get booked anywhere basically because it was like part of an older generation of DJs who um, who I feel were very like just like elitist somehow and like what's good and what's not so the whole like fast forward and this Copenhagen sound was a counter like countercultural thing mm. to that both in regards of the sound but also the attitude mm. yeah I am curious having spent so much time playing metal and noise what has drawn you to trance and these pop motifs? Because to me, they seem so diametrically opposed yeah. aesthetically. I think, like, my whole life, like, growing up, I've been really, like, attracted to very different kinds of music. Like, when I was younger, I was going through a lot of different phases where, you know, you know how when you're younger, you feel like the music you listen to is very much a part of your identity. Mm -hmm. So... When I had like like a hardcore metalcore phase, that was like the only thing that was cool. And then I had like a dubstep phase, and I would only listen to that. And that kind of evolved into techno. But like over the time, I just realized that 
all of these different phases I've been through, they all like, I appreciate all of them and they're all like a part of me. And like throughout this whole time, I always like had love for like some really cheesy pop moments too. And like, obviously like pop Eurodance was like a really big thing. Like I didn't like it when I was growing up when it was like really popular, but it was always like in my surroundings. So I think that kind of like just got into my subconscious somehow and now it's all coming out. (laughs) (laughs) In a past interview you gave, you said that you took a two year break from techno to go back into punk and black metal and that you feel that musical detours are really necessary for you to sustain your inspiration. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I feel like producing techno can be kind of restrictive in in some ways and i i guess i kind of need to like take inspiration from somewhere else in order to like stay motivated to make club music because it kind of um like the way that um techno is being presented is very like focused on like the clubs and i feel like that can sometimes like be like sort of a barrier to really like go deeper into like expressing certain emotions and I guess like techno inherently has like there's some like some, a lot of attitude in the music that I feel like you sometimes end up hiding behind a little bit and producing stuff like ambient music and noise music can often be like a more honest and like visceral expression of feelings and yeah I feel like I just need to be able to express myself um, through like a lot of different means in order to like feel fulfilled as an artist yeah yeah I can relate to that you also run this label called Moral Defeat yeah it's been kind of on a hiatus for a while but I haven't closed it down like officially are you able to simultaneously play in metal bands while doing your, like you're DJing and your twang career? Because right now you're extremely active and it seems like you're on yeah. the road constantly. No, it's, it's not really possible to do everything. It's, I've been kind of like compartmentalizing the different projects. And when I was most active with the, um, the noise label was around the time when I wasn't DJing so much. Mm. Like basically when... I started touring um, like extensively in like 2018. That was around the time where I also started like slowing down on the releases because before I basically had like a lot of time on my hands and the whole label project was very much about doing everything DIY, like dubbing my own tapes and like printing out all the covers and cutting them out and assembling everything, sending everything out myself. So, and I really enjoyed that really personal aspect of running the label, but it's, it was like a passion project, you know, I wasn't like really earning any money on it and I was spending a lot of time on it. It was mainly just like a way to express myself to like like-minded people. And the label did gain like a pretty good, like underground following over those years. Like, which like running that label and starting it out also helped me like get better at communicating with artists and labels and getting used to like collaborating with people all over the world. And a lot of those skills helped me later on, like being a techno producer and a DJ, like I used to be really shy and like having a hard time, like reaching out to people, you know, and like 
running this noise label kind of learned I learned to like do all that but like in like a very small underground scene basically mm. yeah I, I mean I will eventually put out some more noise tapes and I still play once twice a year with my noise project so I'm definitely like keeping it alive but like playing techno is like my full-time job now basically so I have to focus on that to make everything work you know yeah it seems like playing with aesthetic extremes is kind of at the core of your art I don't know if this is something you do intentionally like channeling the sense of duality yeah is it yeah yeah definitely it's yeah. something I'm thinking a lot about yeah like you infuse a lot of humor into the way that you present yourself online and also into your sets because they can be quite dark and serious but you'll like throw in a pop motif or like a goa trance yeah. synth line or whatever so can you can you talk more about the creative impulse behind yeah. wanting to do this i mean i think i've always been fascinated with like um, extreme art like both visual art and like music um and generally i just like stuff that's like more ed on the edgy side but still has like some substance and like something that's thought thought provoking is i guess i've taken a lot of these like ways of working with them um, aesthetic opposites and like absurdities i've taken a lot of that inspiration from noise music and like being in that whole scene where it's like very uh, normal to like use like extreme subjects and sound matter and just be like very both like going into some really dark territory but also in some like humorous territory and sometimes those two things can like kind of intertwine really well and i think like the juxtaposition between the two is really it's just very inspiring to me and i feel like it comes from like an honest place mm -hmm. that's kind of how i experience life in the extremes both like how i perceive the world but also how my inspiration is like the place my inspiration is drawn from basically it seems like a like especially the themes that noise and industrial mine like really provocative dark stuff is like it's a difficult climate almost to be exploring some of yeah. that because that's definitely yeah. some problematic aspects to it yeah and it can and a lot of like gray areas i would say i feel like the whole the fact that this whole like scene is so uh unaccessible in a lot of ways and just like very underground and mysterious also can draw in some people who like are in it more for just like the extremities than for the actual like um philosophy behind uh, that sort of expression because it's a lot of the things can be taken like at face value for just being like shock material, you know. And a lot of it is also. But I feel like the origins of using extreme subject matter as comes from being like wanting to be like thought provoking and like opening up discussions about subjects that are usually taboo in music. Whereas like a lot of popular music is very restricted in the types of emotions and subjects it can express. So I feel like 
these like darker genres of music really i feel like it's liberating somehow to to be able to talk about these like or like not talk about but like interpret some really um, extreme subjects and then like like without like having like too much of um too much of like pushing an ideology you know it can be it's like it's more like asking questions than it is telling people what's right and what's not mm-hmm. and obviously having that sort of creative environment can open up for a lot of like misunderstandings and yeah it's both like the good and the bad side of the scene and i feel like i've learned a lot from like moving in these spaces and like realizing like what are people people's agendas and who is who actually has like something to say and who's only like trying to be shocking and get noticed you know mm. yeah that's really interesting since you're spending so much time in dance music now do you feel that it's lacking some of the like criticality or like critical discourse that exists in more experimental scenes yeah i i think i think it does uh i think what's happening in club music now is kind of like part of this natural cycle that's already been happening several times it's getting like more like specifically talking about hard techno it's getting like more popular and more mainstream but it's also getting like kind of watered out for, because of that like it's the it's the sound is getting oversaturated i would say and when that happens everything starts sounding the same and people aren't really trying to push any boundaries because there's like a formula for something that's popular and that's just what everyone goes with which i don't personally have like a big problem with i think it's quite natural but i just want to be able to i wanted to i want to be around still when these like trends have changed and to do that i feel like it's important to try and do something unique and try and like you can like follow along with trends but still like do things that are like going against those trends and like are challenging to the sound and i feel like it's all about versatility really and just being able to um, being able to change and expand your sound without losing like the original idea and and passion that was like the main inspiration from the start staying on the thread of provocative themes you explore a lot of eroticism and hedonism in your work these are tropes that run through like your song titles yeah. and i also know that you're a member of the bedroom productions bedside called? productions Bed, sorry bedside productions collective which is a porn production company and it's a queer sex party yeah can you talk a little bit about that and i don't the impulse behind making what has been called erotically charged techno on some of yeah. your past text. I think techno music in general is erotic music like it's there's a lot of like things about it that seems like very um, like physical and animalistic sometimes and also just being in the scene like playing at different clubs and like exploring like the the world of techno and the world of like like the club scene hedonism and eroticism is really like two things that dominate that world in a lot of ways and it's what i experience and i think personally this type of music has also been 
um, a gateway for me personally to explore like sides of myself, like my sexuality and learning to having basically having a free space to explore that and like grow within that field. And I want to, through my music, I, I like to create like an envir environment where people feel comfortable doing that themselves. Yeah, I think it's pretty important, but obviously we also have this whole like, like hedonism can be a very like beautiful and transformative thing, but it can also be a very like self-destructive thing for some people. And it's always like a fine line of like, when is it like positive and when is it like actually harming you? And that's something I see a lot in, in techno that people are b balancing like those two sides of it. And I just find the whole, um, I just find it like really interesting how this whole music scene has like this subconscious, like um, sexual drive in it and like how it can become an expression of that positive and negative. Yeah, totally. I think that it can be both liberating and extremely toxic, especially in places like Berlin where access to clubs and parties that go on like for 24 or 48 hours or whatever can be extremely destructive for some people. Yeah. Yeah, this place is like probably like the epicenter of <laughs> hedonism in many ways. Yeah. Is it the same in Copenhagen? Uh, not, I mean, to some extent, yeah. Not, not at all, like... We don't, it doesn't get that far into the extremes as it does here. But I would say like this scene in Copenhagen is definitely like hedonistic. And yeah, it has like the, those two sides of it for sure being expressed. But I, I guess a lot of it was kind of like imported from here, basically. The scene wasn't always like that. It's like something that's been happening more over the past couple of years, I would say. Yeah. You released an LP, Apocalyptic Decadence, with Instruments of Discipline, that was about some of the hedonism that accompanied the pandemic yeah. for you. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, like, I think the uh, like the whole idea of, of that album came from me being alone in my studio during the pandemic, and a lot of the tracks on on that album is kind of um, going a little bit against the popular sound, I would say. Like, there's a lot of like slow stuff and I was going back to like more of my industrial roots while mixing it in with these like, more like sexual, um, like sensual sounds of vocal samples and, and whatnot. And I think it was a reflection of like, What's what happens when like people are sucked up in this like spiral of um, hedonism and like endless parties when this all stops, mm -hmm. as it did, like the psychological thing that happens when people are like in search for this and like maybe dependent on on this, like what happens when they can't get it anymore and like and and what and what happens when they can again? Like it was very much a reflection of like what would happen when the clubs reopened and like whether or not that was going to be healthy or like and and experiencing that i feel like i saw both sides of it i definitely saw like a new like 
amazing fresh energy from people being able to party again but i also saw a lot of people who took it too far mm-hmm. because they had been wanting and needing this for so long and then you have all the um, like the parties that happened during the pandemic like i remember seeing that it was going like crazy here in berlin and um, in hasenheide it was like these like completely unhinged parties happening and it seemed to get like really dark and you know you had like all these people who were basically performing what they did in the clubs but just in like a park with no controlled setting at all and just random people showing up and yeah i think it got like kind of apocalyptic in that sense and i guess the album was just like really much uh, a reflection on those tendencies and yeah kind of like a fantasy of like how extreme it could get i know you've spoken quite a bit about this now closed club in st petersburg called kislati mm-hmm. and you released an ep and there was one track called kislati people that was really a celebration of this club and You did a Q&A that accompanied the RAA podcast that you put out around that time. And mm-hmm. you said that Kislati was a pocket of freedom with the most positive and energetic inhabitants. And that made it very special. And I was, th- this track actually ended up totally catapulting you to yeah. global recognition. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Also, just given, you know, the context of what's happening now and kind of what that space represented in in russia at that time yeah so obviously russia is like a very restrictive country in many ways and that club was like i think the only diy club apart from one other space in moscow at the time that was kind of like a safe space for queer people and people who just like wanted to express themselves in like a way that was like kind of like outside of the norm whereas in russia that's not really easy to do like on the street for example yeah it was just interesting to um to go there and see that something like that could happen and obviously the fact that the freedom people could have inside of this club was so unique also made it seem like a very important space and you could sense like when people were um, partying in there they were really really not taking it for granted like as for example when you see berlin people are so used to having all these parties here that it's kind of loses its magic it's magic and it kind of becomes like a routine almost and that club in st petersburg you could really sense that this was the first time that these people experienced this kind of freedom which made the party and the general energy around it just be so more so much more positive and feel so much more important mm. So the song that you made used samples from Russian pop songs. Yeah. How did you choose those songs and why did you decide to do a remix? Because I think there's also a lot of power in doing a remix and recontextualizing a piece of art and giving it a new meaning in that sense. Yeah, yeah definitely. So as you mentioned, uh, the the club was called Kislati, which means acid in, in Russian. And while I was like, i was spending i was there for two weeks once like doing like sort of a residency um someone showed me this original track that i ended up sampling 
and the lyrics was like Kislati people, Kislati DJ. And I was like putting all of the lyrics in Google Translate and like looking up what the song was about. And I just found it like so perfect for the situation. And already by this time I had like played like some some Russian uh, like Eurodance tracks in my set there and saw the reaction of people like really loving the surprise of me showing up as a foreigner and like playing a track that they remembered from their childhood, you know. So I had like one day in the studio over there and just like downloaded the acapella from some Russian torrent site, put together this, this track in like maybe four hours or something just to be able to play it the next day and like have this little moment in the club and yeah i had no idea it was gonna get Pop the off. traction that it get yeah so I, i guess like i just shared it with a couple of friends and they started playing it and the responses was just like really really good so yeah that's the whole irony of it all like the, <laughs> probably the track i spent the least time make, making is like the one that's been listened to the most yeah, so. i mean that's how it goes i think <laughs> yeah i don't talk with the people who ran the club anymore So, yeah, basically what happened is after I um, after the the record came out with the track, this was like right after the club also closed. And the guy who was running the club who also put out um, the EP kind of like changed his attitude towards me after it came out. And I had like some bad experiences with him basically took a couple of months to figure out how to deal with this situation but in the end i ended up cutting a deal with the label who put out the original track um, who owned like the rights to um, the vocal sample and by making that deal with them i was able to they were able to take or like claim the track so he couldn't sell it anymore uh, but still like this is like probably a year where I didn't get paid anything and that guy was just pocketing everything. Yeah, that's... And I feel like it kind of also ruined the track a little bit for me for a while because... Yeah, I get that. It used to be such a like happy moment every time I played it and people would go crazy. But after the pandemic, when I started playing again, it was really hard for me to play the track because I had all this like negative stuff mm. and... I d- it didn't really produce the same like happy feeling for me anymore, but I eventually like got over it, and I do play it again every now and then when it when I feel like people really want to hear it. Or if I'm <laughs> they're in, expecting if it, if sometimes I can it. sense if people want to hear it or not. So yeah, I'm I'm done like feeling annoyed and angry about all those things that happened. Like it's behind me now, and like I'm ready to like look forward. But yeah, it was definitely a challenge to go through all of that, like, behind the scenes while the track was, like, becoming so popular and people were, like, so into it. Yeah, no, that sucks to hear. What is the music that gives you a happy feeling? Like, what's inspiring you right now in techno, but also outside of techno? Um, I mean, honestly, I don't really listen to much techno in my free time. I'm, like, playing techno when I DJ, making techno in the studio, Like, so when I chill, I'm not also listening to techno. I'm already, like, getting my, my full dose of that. So uh, when I, like, I feel like I have, like, a very broad um, music taste. But I always go look through 
like shorter phases where I get really into one thing. I, I guess right now I'm like back into listening to a lot of trap music, like more, like I would say, like more positive, inspirational <laughs> trap music. <laughs> uh, I feel like that can can really like um, it can really motivate me. Yeah. Uh, when I'm traveling and like, it's I that's the kind of music I listen to when I when I feel good and I feel like I'm I'm doing well. But yeah, I've been like through a lot of phases recently. Obviously, like reggaeton was like really big for me. Oh wow, you do have a super broad palette. I- <laughs> yeah, like so the other side, like I'm also listening to a lot of extreme metal at the moment, like okay. Cradle of Filth, and yeah, just some some really hardcore like goth type music. Okay, nice. I feel like I need to be in like some extremes, like. Italo disco has been really big for me as well. Uh, you could play a set where you just mash. All those I mean, sometimes them. that happens, but it's usually for the more like private events. You know? <laughs> In terms of so, when you're going to the studio, so I imagine you're going to go back tomorrow. You probably have you have studio time this week. Yeah. Do you feel like you're like okay, I have to sit down and make techno tracks, or do you feel that you ever have? You're at liberty to really just be creative and express yourself through whatever musical medium you want to. Yeah, I'm trying to not... I'm trying to, like, really make what I feel like making in the moment. So I've been making a lot of techno, but, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I was, like, hitting the studio, and I could just feel that, I like, I needed to, like, do something else to, like... I wasn't having, like, the best day, so it started just making ambient tracks and I ended up like basically making like the foundation for a whole ambient album that day like like I guess five or six like really raw simple tracks that I want to like add more layers to but um, yeah making that kind of music is definitely like more healing and introspective for me and I feel like it's kind of intuitive to when I sit in the studio, I don't really think too much about what kind of track I'm gonna make. It just like becomes an expression of how I feel at the moment. Mm. But there's all the times too where I feel like today I'm making a banger and that's like what I'm focusing on. And and yeah, it's it's a mix, I guess. It's I feel I think it's good to have like some vision sometimes, like having a goal in terms of like what sound you want to reach, but other times it's best to just like go in with like completely blank canvas and just like do whatever feels right at the moment. Would you ever release some of these more experimental projects under your own name? Like, do you worry about confusing your audience a little bit with just how broad your palette is? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely, I feel like I'm already starting to do that with like releasing a lot more ambient releases under the same name. It's definitely been a worry, like, early on. Uh, I was trying to make a lot of, like, separate projects for separate sounds. But I'm getting more comfortable, like, trying to put everything under the same name. Not everything, but a lot of things. And it actually happened during the pandemic. That's around the first time where it did, like, a full ambient release. Just because I felt like putting out, like, a club release during that time felt like it just felt wrong like it felt like it would it would be like putting it into a void where like the main um like the main arena for that music to be experienced was not even possible during that time so 
and I was going through like um, a lot of like challenges myself and putting out this like ambient more like emotional ambient music was kind of also me expressing what I was going through and it actually felt really good to put that out there whereas like earlier on I was worried about putting out some of this ambient music because it felt like almost too personal to put out there but um, now I feel like it's just becoming a part of, of like my general expression and I'm definitely aiming to put out even more like experimental stuff in the future but still like keeping the the club releases coming and I'm confident that there's still like something that people can recognize that's me in all of these different types of genres yeah totally I think that it only adds dimension to an artist to see different sides of their yeah. artistry what do you have that you're working on right now and like what's on the horizon I have like two EPs that I'm working on at the moment one is basically finished but we're working on getting a sample cleared and that might take a little while but that's gonna come out on um, SPF DJ's label Intrepid Skin and then I'm doing another release on Instruments of Discipline and both those EPs are gonna be techno and like an expansion of what I already did with those labels um, and apart from that I'm working on the next um, release on my own label which is gonna be like a larger digital compilation kind of expanding a, a little bit on this like side trance inspired techno sound uh, but with a bit more like I, I would say it's maybe like a bit more tongue-in-cheek and like a bit more funny vibes <laughs> in the next one whereas the, I feel like the first release was uh, kind of serious um, the next one is going to be a bit more fun I think I want to do another ambient album for next year as well which uh, I like those tracks I'm I, I usually spend a lot of time like finishing those tracks like I need to be in like kind of a specific headspace to really work on the ambient track so I'm gonna like let that come naturally but I'm I'm I believe it's going to be ready sometime next year. You must work really quickly because you, when I was looking on your Discogs page, I mean, since you started releasing music, techno music, you've put out like 15 releases or something like that. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, not all of those are techno though, but, okay. and some of them are like kind of obscure tapes and stuff. But yeah, I, 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 I do have like, I mean, I, I, yeah, making music is just like such a big part of my life that... Is it a daily practice for you? Almost, yeah. When I'm when I'm at home, when I'm not touring, so I'm really lucky to have like a home studio now. I basically have like a soundproof room in my apartment, and the rest of the house I live in is all studio. So I don't have any neighbors. I can make music any time of the day or night, and that helps a lot with the the creative process for me. Just it's so easy for me to just get into. That's so when I'm back in Copenhagen, I don't really like go out and socialize mm. much. I'm like mainly just at home and in the studio. It's an intense lifestyle though, to be on the road touring and then and kind of alone a lot of the time and then yeah. back home and in the studio working alone. Yeah, it's, and I, I know this from experience, so I... Yeah, I feel like you need to sacrifice a lot of things in life in order to do that. And what also happens is like, when I'm touring and I'm, I mean, I do try to make a little bit of music on the road, but uh, I can never really get into the zone completely while I'm touring. 
And I, if I've been like touring for two weeks, I can really feel that I'm, I need to make some music. Otherwise, I'm gonna lose my mind. It's like just a natural way of processing my experiences. And so, so once I do get home and I have time to be in the studio, I find myself like really down prioritizing a lot of other things, mm-hmm. which would be like maintaining like friendships and like being social and yeah like general practical stuff in order to make life work (laughs) those things are like yeah those things (laughs) like i feel like i have a good routine with like making sure everything is nice and like the best conditions for me to work well but that's also like a lot of things that i like end up doing very last minute because like being able to make music and that's like my first priority mm. when I get home always. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you do just to cultivate a sense of balance with all of this happening? Yeah. I mean, I do take some days off. You know? <laughs> that's important. <laughs> sometimes I just feel like sometimes I just need a day with like no work, no social media, nothing. I'm just like, just like crawling into like a cave and just like healing a little bit from uh, being overstimulated over the weekend and like everything happening at the same time. So I definitely like learned to be okay with like, even though I often feel like I have like a very long list of things I need to do, I'm really like learned to be comfortable with just saying like today nothing is going to happen. Today I just need to like recharge and usually I will like just like practice some yoga and try to like you know like not go on social media and like some of these things that kind of like sometimes you need to just like take yourself out of the whole like loop of everything that's happening in order to like gain that energy to come back into it so yeah it is it is tough to balance though yeah on a closing note do you have any advice that you would give to someone who wants to pursue a similar path as you? Yeah, I would probably advise people to really think it through before (laughs) going for it because... The classic. Yeah, (laughs) it's like, it looks like it's all fun and games, but there's like so many challenges behind what you see. A lot of things you like that I had to learn the hard way and a lot of like situations where you're basically going to be alone and having to deal with like some absurd situation and if you don't have like people around you that you can trust and people who can support you in those like tough situations i can imagine it would get like really tough and really lonely sometimes Mm. and i think another advice i would give to to someone pursuing like this type of career would be to just have a lot of patience because Mm. for me it took like a very long time getting to where i am now like i've been doing this stuff for like 10 years at least like in some way or another and it took a long time before I really like started going anywhere with it and now I'm really thankful that I had so long to like like just learn about myself and and how I want to like express myself I think in the environment the environment we have now a lot of people get like they blow up like really fast Mm -hmm. and get just like pushed into this like extreme lifestyle of like constantly touring and it can be very draining if you don't know when to say no and when to like 
step back and like just think about how it's making you feel and how it's affecting you because I see a lot of people burn out really fast mm. from being just like thrown into this world and like like if you're like in your early 20s you might not have like found your own boundaries yet and you might not be ready to really take upon you that responsibility that comes with like living this lifestyle and yeah you, you can't be a party every weekend you know yeah <laughs> then it's not gonna last forever well i mean congratulations on everything you're doing thank you so much i mean all the music you're putting out fast forward and the label it's yeah it's really cool very cohesive uh despite your wide-ranging interests yeah. <laughs> thank you so much appreciate it okay cool well thank you so much for coming in here thank you Thank you for listening to this RA Exchange with Shaka. This interview was filmed in the Berlin office, and you can watch snippets on our Instagram and YouTube. The track you heard in this episode is Confused by What is Real from his Sacred Interface BA. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to the RA Exchange and listen to our full archive of conversations on ra.co or on SoundCloud at ra-exchange. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear on the podcast or stories you'd like to share, please send us an email at exchange at ra.co. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.